Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of the Latest Shiny Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Spector, and with me, of course, is Rob Hirschfeld. Good afternoon, Rob. Hello, Stephen. So this is one of our famous interstitials. I, I love when you <laughs> use that term. It's, uh, it's always fun. We don't have a guest on the line, so it's just us bantering. Sometimes we stay on target. Sometimes we go a little bit off. But uh, today we're going to do – it's been a long time since we talked about RackN, and so there's a, some big news coming with RackN. And so I thought we'd go through, you know, the technology upgrades, it's a platform licensing, a whole variety of things. So uh, before we start there, Rob, let's do a quick two-minute, what is, uh, you know, what does Rackin do? What is the digital rebar open source project? And then from there, we can kind of work our way through it. I'd be happy to. And I, we're, we're, for those those people, we're going to really spend actually the whole, the whole time, I think, talking about that yeah. in detail, but at a very high level. Uh, RackN provides physical layer data center automation. So we tackle the, the bare metal server lifecycle. So uh, you might think of it as cloudifying the bare metal. So full APIs, RAID, BIOS configuration, operating system install, cluster building. We've, we've really gotten um, very adept at taking commodity hardware on-premises software that our, our users actually run it themselves behind their firewall without any rack-end networking connection, not managed service, um, and can basically automate the whole bottom layer of their data center in ways that nobody's done before. We, we, we typically think of it as being the forgotten automation layer uh, when we look at like what VMware did or, or OpenStack. I don't know if it's forgotten. Or how about we use the word ignored? Ignored, sadly. I've been in data centers for my whole career, and uh, yeah, we've been struggling at this layer the whole time, right? Pixie, which is a 1990s uh, technology, is still the the main way servers get installed. It's it's really um, it's hard. It's hard to change those protocols once they're embedded. You can't just you know buy a new server and then ignore all the old ones. You have to you have to sort of incrementally change things as they go, and then changing it. Oh my God! Becomes incredibly hard, right? You've got new new BIOS coming out, UEFI, which is different than the traditional stuff. And if it wasn't different, it wouldn't be worth migrating to. So it has to be different. You have iPixie versus Pixie, try and fix some of the problems. It's just well, I I saw a post the other the other day when I was on vacation. I thought about you, and I meant to send it to, you, but I I didn't. And it was interesting. It talked about security. And all these major security breaches these companies are having with technology and how, you know, it makes you think everything's open, everything's a disaster. And then the article points to that, you know, there's a ton of other companies that also have servers out there that are also running their businesses online, but they're not in the news. They're not getting destroyed. <laughs> and one of the interesting yeah. things it said was the big difference was that CIOs have value. That when a CIO says, I need to spend money on these things to secure our information, that the company spends the money on those things and that they don't ignore it. And one of the biggest things talked about was keeping your hardware updated, keeping your software updated. And I thought, and it even talked about hardware bias. And yeah. it just makes me think of RackN that, you know, no, people probably, if you have a server farm with 500, heck, it could be even 200 servers, I guarantee you no one knows what BIOS versions, what's running where, and how out of date they are. 
it's it's a really really serious problem um and the fact that we've made it so hard meant we tried to paper over it with vmware or virtualization and, and ignored it and you just it, that's not really the right answer the right answer is you want to automate that whole process right we we talk to customers that you would think would have all this stuff nailed and they get servers and it takes them weeks to build a vmware cluster which is actually a pretty straightforward cluster to build so you know they have an expensive, you know, tens of thousands of dollars server that sits, you know, in their data center for weeks while a person plugs them in, gets them running, makes sure they're right. If they make a mistake, it takes them, you know, a long time to fix it. Uh, it just, it's a really serious... Um, so it goes back to they, one of my favorite lines I think you've said is there actually are servers in serverless. <laughs> and... Um, you know, everyone loves to abstract everything away, but the attacks happen not in the software. The attacks happen at the hardware because no one's mining the store. And well, uh, yeah, the, and the attacks are happening everywhere. And this is yeah. this is the thing that we love to overlook is that if you're doing you know something even at the very top of the stack, but if it requires you know a patch to a library that requires a patch to the operating system and that requires a patch to the BIOS, you you know you quickly get to that, the bottom layer in that stack. Um, and it's it's not, you know, it's not that everybody should go go back and be you know, tearing their hair out because they haven't patched their BIOS. Although it's something to worry about, it's more that that the whole stack is not resilient because we keep adding these layers where we don't have control. And so by moving the control all the way down to the physical layer and fixing that problem, what you build on top of it is right. I mean, the the, the name of the podcast, the latest shiny, is actually a reference to this. Right. You know, today it's Kubernetes. Yesterday it was OpenStack and tomorrow it's going to be something you know, new. And, and the hardware, it's, it's the hardware is the constant. The things that you're rolling on top of that have a latest shiny component to it. We love to talk about it. But. So, so let's move in. So let's talk yeah. about what's new. So it's version four. Is it like a 4.0 of uh, digital rebar? What, what are we calling it these days? Yeah, it will be a 4.0, um, which I know has some consternation. It's really the start of our fourth generation. Uh, the funny thing is, is that the change that we're making to make it start v4 is really not an API change at all. So, you know, if you've been using the APIs, it's still the 3.x APIs. We're not planning to change those uh, in at all from an external perspective. Uh, in this generation, because it's the APIs are, are really where it's coming. Fourth gen reflects the fact that digital rebar has has emerged into a, a full data center automation platform. Uh, and that's really what the four is positioning us to do. It's, it's really make the changes that are necessary to embrace the platform aspect of digital rebar. And so so let's talk about uh, those changes. What are the changes? The licensing is going to, it's still open source. It's still was it AP? Ape GPL or I <laughs> we we Maybe. were a, a, Apache APL V two. Uh, we are, although we're we're making some changes based on community feedback. Um, so you know we have boy a long history in open source. Uh, Digital Rebar has been built in the open uh, for the most part. To, so far, what we've done is is we've been building the APIs for Digital Rebar, and then the implementation, Racken's implementation of those APIs have been done um, in in the open. And then all of the sort of the useful cataloging pieces that people are really excited to see and try and change, we built uh, in closed source because that was where our commercial hook was. Uh, so we would sort of make this platform available and then hide all the places where people really want to collaborate with us. 
Uh, and that was not a good model, right? We, we believe open source is about collaboration. And so we felt a need to flip that model over and make all of the content that we're, we're building, you know, the IPMI and RAID and BIOS pieces, uh, the image deployment capabilities, Commissioning, configure. Uh, we have some class. We have some amazing, very powerful content that we've built, uh, and we want. That's where you know. That's where our users want to collaborate with us. It's where our community really wants to to add their pieces. When we looked back at what people have done to the Reckon implementation, and looked at the Git history for that, there weren't any uh, community contributions at all. It was a, strictly a Reckon, Reckon thing, um, and so. What we've done is we've taken that piece and we've made that the commercial component for RackN, which allows us to embed in this whole suite of IP that we've been building uh, that we haven't been putting in the open around moving into 10,000 know, machines scale so we can do multi-site management correctly. Our whole multi-site management capability, which is going to be coming in uh, more publicly into this coming release, some of our single sign-on and Active Directory and multi-tenancy, there's all these amazing enterprise capabilities uh, that you know are sort of living in limbo because of the way we'd structured it. So sort of two changes. One, it allows us to do enterprise work uh, in the digital rebar platform. And then the other side allows us to open up and share all the great operational logic that we've been building too. And it still has the user interface, which I always thought was the best way to use the tool. That's <laughs> still there, I assume. That is definitely still there. It's actually going to work across versions. Um, it's that's Rackn property too, right. and uh, you know something that you know we're very proud of. It does help with uh, the usability. Operators typically like APIs and CLIs too, um, and everything we do sort of honors both. APIs have been getting a lot of love lately because we hired a full time UX specialist, and so um, they've been uh, moving through and cleaning up things and improving performance and all the good stuff. Do do you have an idea of how many people that are running and playing with it are using CLI versus the UI? I mean, it, it, do you have an idea uh, of it or is it a mix? <laughs> we, we have a body of users who um, have not wanted to sort of pick up the rack and licensed pieces like the UX and things like that. And so there are a body of users who are very CLI focused on using the system. Um, and so that's, you know, they're going to have to figure out how they want to migrate forward from that perspective, because because there's a lot more features for them to take advantage of. Sad thing about a lot of these CLI users um, is that they haven't been able to leverage this library uh, of hardware and out of band management and you know all of this stuff we've built. Uh, so they'll be that'll they'll have access to that as a capability in this new new model. So so let's talk about the actual features themselves. Are they features updated? Brand new features? Um, more things around bare metal? You want to talk about some of the, the new things I can metal. use? Well, uh, I know everything's bare metal, but I figured you have something there. And actually, it's funny I say that because not everything is bare metal. One of the things that we're hoping uh, to happen is that we have some cloud interface capabilities, and we're hoping to see those uh, accelerate for people who want to build interfaces to Amazon and Google and Linode and other things. We had a couple um, ones like to VirtualBox and Packet that um, mm -hmm. were handy, but not 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 the those aren't big platforms uh for for us so yeah i mean the features that are coming in to they, they've been accumulating in version three uh and it's an incredible list of of what we can do it's it let me step back and tell you what the the things that we're 
powering are, and then you can imagine the feature chain that you have to build to get there. So the use case that a lot of people want from us is they want to be able to roll a rack of servers into their data center and turn them on and then walk away, which means that you have to be able to do you know, full discovery and inventory. You have to classify the system based on what that inventory is. You have to set the rate and BIOS configurations based on what the specs are. You have to install. We have a lot of people who care, like ESX and vCenter is an install, so you actually can draw, you know, install ESX and bring that all the way through a, a full cluster, build the vCenter infrastructure and wire all that in. Um, what I just named is a whole sequence of components that are features within BrackN. Uh, every single one of those pieces is a pluggable unit that you can add. And that's just for VMware building, right? We have a whole other set of features right. on image building if you want to deploy a Windows image to bare metal or a Linux image to bare metal. There's a whole branch of features for that. And then uh, one of the things coming in multi-site is the multi-site. So Gen 4 uh, is going to have this actually deeply embedded multi-site management capability that lets you pull uh, all the individual. So digital rebar endpoints that the server at each that are that's running in the data center uh, is completely autonomous. So it has standalone operations. You can embed everything you need from a like a zip filed catalog and bring up that site. And then what you can do is then uh, have other managers, more than one, subscribe to that endpoint and then take its monitor, its data as a set. So you could create a federated view of your data centers. You could create regional views. You can map them together. You can create a tenant-based view. Um, and every one of those, those managers can actually be operated in parallel. So we have this really interesting proxy control pattern where you can make a request against data anywhere in the in the federated mesh, and it's going to forward the data to the endpoint that can make the decision. It makes that decision, and then it spreads the updates back out to everybody else using an, our event system. So this really interesting way to create a single pane of glass uh, across a multi-data center view, uh, that's, a, that's a really big deal in itself. But then you can take our infrastructure as code capability in the content packs and plugins, and let the managers drive uh, content updates back into the system. So if you have even a small, you know, a couple of data centers or a HA cluster um, or, you know, thousands of edge sites, what this allows you to do is you can define, this is what I want deployed at my sites. And then the managers will take care of patching, updating and changing the automation layers, the plugins, the content, like rate and BIOS paths that need to go with it. Um, even digital rebar itself can be included in that content. So you can literally from the, the, the single, the site manager, you can distribute a content pack that patches the whole infrastructure automatically as part of a, a flow through. And, and what we're seeing is we see enterprise deployments going out, right? They pop up a whole bunch of digital rebar endpoints, some in labs, some in, in little production data centers. And this ability lets you actually track them, monitor the data going in them, and then also make sure that they can form. Because, uh, you know, there are a lot of pieces and parts in a digital bar infrastructure. Well, so, I, I, you know, I'm trying to think if I'm a customer and, um, you know, I hear about this technology and stuff and I'm like, what's the first thing I should do? Where, where should I start? I mean, I know you have a fantastic Slack group and there's always people out there supporting and discussing all these things. Is there a, a best way for someone who's listening says, I'd like to learn this, see this, you know, get started. 
Um, is there a way, a path that you would recommend that they consider? Of course. Um, we really like to let the product speak for itself. And so uh, we've created a, a quick start guide that's available from portal.racken.io. Uh, and that actually, that's the UX also. Uh, and our UX is this really interesting thing. You can run it completely air-gapped and self-contained. And we have for our customers, our enterprise customers, they can they run the UX themselves. For trial users, you just attach to it on our website. It's what React and you install behind your firewall. And then the React app will talk behind your firewall. We never talk directly to an endpoint. But you go to trial portal.racken.io and read the install instructions. It takes about 15, 20 minutes to get the system up. You can do it on a laptop and test it with VMs, uh, which is really easy. You don't have to buy servers, or you can even do it on, we've been doing some cloud demo videos where there's no servers at all. You just use uh, cloud infrastructure and you can see the workflows and play with it. It's not as much fun as you know, net booting a server, but it lets yeah. you, you play with a Kubernetes installer, or one of the other goodies that we have in the system. So, and I know you go to some events. I know, for example, uh, you'll be at VMworld uh, in San Francisco later at the end of August this month. Uh, and are there, I know that generally you guys maybe not have a booth, but if people wanted to meet with you or some of your teammates or some of the people at your company at those events, uh, how should they get in touch with you guys and set something up? Oh my goodness. It is fall conference season. So yes, I, it is. I, I will be out and about. Um, so yeah, I will be at VMworld. I will be at KubeCon. I will be at AWS reInvent. Uh, and I'm sure some other events in the middle. The team is going to have a presence at Lisa in Portland, uh, and so which is the large-scale Linux administration administrators conference because um, that's our those are our people. Yeah. And uh, so we will have a booth there. Uh, we're very excited to be part of that that show, uh, and that's that's the that's where to see us. But to get a hold of us, uh, you can tweet at me. I'm Zeekle online. And uh, if you don't know that, you're not paying attention to the show. Uh, but Zico <laughs> Online and then Digital Rebar um, has a Twitter handle and RackN, RackN Go is our Twitter handle for RackN. Um, but yeah, the, you know, we really encourage people to just drop in, try the, try the, try the self-trial out. It's really fast. Um, people who've used things like Cobbler or Foreman or Mass, um, or ironic. Those are the things that we're that people get really excited when they see what we're doing because it's very simple. Uh, it's very fast. But you know, I, those are those are nice. Those are tech things. The community we have in the Slack channel, uh, talking about ops, helping each other out, building really cool stuff is amazing, right? We have our Kubernetes work is community driven work, um, and we just had somebody at our meetup do a thirty minute demo of all these security enhancements and high availability enhancements that they added into uh, the Kubernetes install process. Uh, and that was something to see. I'm, I'm, I'm that, and that's what where I'm so excited with Gen 4 because Gen 4 really unlocks. Sorry, I'm back. I'm, I'm so excited about this. Yeah, release. That's okay. But um, right, this is what we want to see with Gen 4 come in because, you know, a lot of stuff that people have been frustrated by not having access to, we're now going to, you know, let people play with and change. So, you know, you can come in and, and look at how we've done out-of-band management using plugins. Uh, it's a really big deal because it's it's really sophisticated stuff for setting RAID and BIOS configurations um, or installing image-based deployments, uh, things that we, we'd sort of, you know, secret sauce for RackN. This change lets us open that up. 
And I think people will be impressed when they see it because that's where most of our development focus has been for the last year. All right. So to our listeners, I encourage you to go uh, take a peek at the technology that uh, Rob is talking about. And um, also at the end of the month, I also will be at uh, the event at VMworld. And so if you're interested in doing a podcast live with us, instead of doing over the phone, uh, we will be there and we can do live podcasts. Um, hopefully we get a couple. It's been a while since we've done those, but uh, I've improved my skills at getting rid of loud background noise of people at bars. So, um, you know, we're certainly interested in doing, if you'd like to meet us in person, tell us how big fans you are of the program or tell us all the things we're doing wrong. We love feedback. And uh, of course, I guess they could, if, if someone was really interested, Rob, right, they could take us to dinner someplace nice, correct? I, I can, you know, we are, we are cheap dates. <laughs> we don't have to we don't have to go uh super expensive but certainly you know a nice steak or something like that is always welcome but of course of course they're teasing or, or nacho supreme platter or, or nachos you know we, we don't go too bad but uh pod, so for pod, listeners pod dinner yeah i encourage you to head out to uh if you're going to vm world uh, take a look, reach out to uh, Robert and myself, and take a look at the Digital Rebar's new technology. Um, it really is amazing stuff. It, it, the automation, the whole thing, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of it. Obviously, Rob's been working on it for almost a decade now, I think, Rob, of all this stuff. And so, Gen, Gen 1, we consider Crowbar to be Gen 1. So, um, yeah, this is early open stack days. So, you know, this is good stuff. And and I think, again, from the security article I talked about at the beginning, I, I really do think people don't understand this. And, you know, if you're listening to this, you're a business person or, you know, you're maybe not an admin, uh, you know, maybe you should go ask your CIO or go ask your IT team, you know, when was the last time we upgraded our BIOS? What What's our security on these things? And if the answer is they don't know, tell them you have a solution, right? And, uh, and you know, and I know it has a UI, so the admins may get upset, but uh, it, it's it's a nice UI, and we all can't live in the days of Linux forever, of uh, old school CLIs. Mm -hmm. some point, it's going to be UI-based. You can based. do both. You can do both. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rob. Well, thanks again, and um, best of luck on the new launch. And when is that coming out? Will it be out? This is this podcast is going out kind of mid-early August. Is, is it going to be out soon? It'll be out. It should be out before the podcast. So you can go go check it out anytime you're ready. And if you do go out and you like it or you have comments or whatever, you want to talk to us on the podcast about it, even better. We'd love to have you on uh, as we always look for guests. Well, thanks again, Rob. And we'll talk Thank to you again soon. Awesome, Stephen. Thank you.